Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. We've been in a series, we've been in a series, not just a series, but it's our word for the year, and we are going deeper, going deeper, going deeper. And so I want to add to that today, and then next week, whoo, we're starting a series on relationships, so call your boo, the one you want to be your boo, uh, bring them to church next Sunday. Uh, we're going to go deeper in relationships, starting a series called Love is Blind, can't wait to do that, but for now, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse number 1, landing at verse number 10. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. If you need some time to find it, say, hold up. I heard that hold up right here in this section. I'm going to wait for you. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse number 1. And it says, one day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get a little something-something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he didn't just preach a good sermon to give him a word. Look at the next step. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into Gillies, jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you say amen? amen. Oh, this is such a delicious passage of scripture. It is so good. If you can't preach this, you can't preach. I, uh, I, I want to I put a title to this text as we really end uh, this series, Go Deeper, but we stick to our word of the year to go deeper. I want to talk to you from this thought, deeper on demand. Deeper on demand. Look at your neighbor right in their eyeballs and just say, neighbor, sometimes you got to go deeper on demand. If you believe God's going to speak, give him some praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Deeper on demand. Social fam, one of my parental fears is that in my effort to bless my children, I will produce children who are ungrateful and bougie. This is a real, this is a real tension in parenthood because every parent in here will tell you that you want to give your, the world to your children, don't you? You want to give them the world. 
But the challenge with wanting to give them the world, it is your hope and prayer that they do not become narcissistic egomaniacs who think that the world revolves around them. This is the tension of parenthood. I want to give you everything, but who don't be a spoiled brat? And this tension is real. I think about my father. I think about my father who came from Nigeria, had absolutely nothing. He didn't come from money. He was born in Nigeria. And he would often remind us, when I was growing up, I had one pair of shoes. One pair of shoes. And he came into a level of blessing. How I many you know when I was growing up, I had several pairs of shoes. Several. In fact, I don't remember a school year that I didn't start with a fresh pair of J's on my feet. Actually, take that back. There was one. There was one school year I didn't start with a fresh pair of J's because my pops got me uh, some Patrick Ewings. Some Patrick Ewings. You remember Patrick Ewings? Do you remember Patrick Ewings? Oh, y'all don't even know Patrick Ewings. Patrick Ewings, who? They're not Jays. They are not Jordans. I'll tell you that right now. In fact, they are deceptively not Jordans because on the back, they don't have a 23. It got a 33. Got a 33 on the back of the shoe. And then what's really messed up, what's really messed up is depending on which angle you see the shoe, it looks like you just got a pair of oohs. Oh, so people hit you up like, ooh, and that's what I did when he got them. I was like, ooh, what is this? And my father quit quickly let me know this was his line you don't even know the blessing you have it's crazy now being a parent because now the child has become the parent and now I am determined not to raise bougie children who for me a Sunday afternoon lunch was going to Luby's cafeteria remember Luby's Come on, this is a big day, whoo, Golden Corral. And you be walking in there excited at the plethora of options. This is a buffet, this is amazing. My bougie kids. We went to True Food Kitchen a couple Sundays ago. True Food Kitchen a couple Sundays ago. I'm not making this up. My eight-year-old Evie eats the pita as they bring the hummus. She said, mm, Dad, the pita's off today. It's off today. <laughs> to which I said, be grateful. You don't know how blessed you are. <laughs> and I ate, I said, you're right, it is. It is a little off today. But this is the one that really messed me up. Um, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, we had family movie night, Friday night family movie night. Help me know, when I was growing up, family Friday movie night, if there was a movie on TV and you just cut it on in the middle of the movie, help me know, you just missed the first part. You just missed it. You just had to get in where you fit in and just watch the rest of it. And then you'd be mad at yourself like, oh, I should have put the VHS in and I should have pre-recorded it. My kids last Friday movie night had the nerve to be sitting there with their own Netflix channel on our TV and they are fighting over what they're going to watch on on-demand TV. And I got mad again and said, you don't even know the blessing of what you have. To be able to pick Disney on demand. How many of you know on-demand content has revolutionized the way we receive content? Oh, there is nothing like the beauty of being able to watch something whenever you want to watch it. To not be relegated to a broadcast schedule. How many are thankful for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and Peacock and all of it? We love our on-demand content. It has changed the way we watch TV, movies, and live events. As a matter of fact, it has changed the way I preach. Oh, yeah. I am fully cognizant of the fact that more people will watch this message after this moment than are in the room right now. So how many know how narrow would I be in my thinking to only preach to you in the room and not think about you too?
YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and all the thousands of people who will watch this message later. So I cannot be narrow or shallow in my thinking and just talk to you. But because this message has to go beyond the borders and beyond the corridors of this room, I have to think about who's going to watch it later because it's got to go broader. And that happens on demand. Ladies and gentlemen, on demand is really, to me, the premise of the book of Acts and the early church. This is where Jesus is making a transition to show his disciples that I need my power in the earth on demand. Before Jesus ascended into heaven and came down with the Holy Spirit to empower them, how many of you know all the miracles were only relegated to Jesus' earthly body? And the disciples were tripping after he got up from the grave saying, we don't want you to go. He said, you don't even understand it is better that I go away it is good for you that I go away because when I go away I'm gonna leave you the comforter and I don't want the miracles just to be relegated to me I want my power working in you and through you and if my power works in you and through you then people can actually get their breakthrough on demand they can get healing on demand they can get restoration on demand they can get what they need on demand he said I'm getting ready to give you a power that when you walk by somebody and they're hurting or they're broken, you don't have to say, I'll wait right here. Let me go get Jesus. You can say, no, 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 no. I already waited on him in the upper room and all of a sudden I got filled with dunamis power so now I can lay my hands on you because he's not just going to do something for me. His power can now work through me and I can do it on demand. I wish I had some people at the 8 a.m. service that realize God wants to go deeper and do something through you through you. That's the power of God working through us as it can happen on demand. That's what's happening in my text today. In this text today, Peter and John are in the middle of a paradigm shift. They're in the middle of a new dispensation because they're understanding Jesus is not just doing stuff for us. He's doing stuff through us and we can do something on demand. So all of a sudden, Peter and John are going together to the place of prayer one day, and they notice a man who is lame from birth. They notice a man who's lame from birth, and he's begging for money. Now, full disclosure, I have preached this text before. I've preached this text before. In fact, let me talk to my on-demand audience. If you're watching this on YouTube, after you watch this message, you can actually go to another message called The Beauty of Being Stuck, and you can watch it because I've preached this text before. Okay, I've preached this passage before. But here's what I love about the Bible, is right when you think you've read everything in the text, when you read it again and go deeper, that's how powerful God's Word is. You'll see something that you never saw before. And I saw something that I never saw before in this text because it's powerful that Peter and John were the only ones to stop and perceive that this man needed a miracle. I could stop right there and preach a whole message that often the miracles that God will do through us come with us just perceiving what he's doing. Just not being too busy to stop and pause and go, God, what do you want to do through me? Uh, One person said that if the enemy cannot get you to sin, he'll just get you busy. Because there's nothing like sin and busyness that will break your connection to God. It is the same thing with miracles. If you are so busy scrolling on your own Instagram page or narcissistic looking at your life, you will miss opportunities where God wants to use you to be a conduit of his glory. 
And so I love that they stopped and perceived it, but what messed me up that I never saw before is the timeline and the topography and the geography of this miracle. Keep in mind that when we are introduced to this lame man, we don't get his name, but we do get that he was lame from birth. And in Acts chapter four, we find out that for 40 years, this dude has been lame. 40 years, that's a long time. Why is that important? It's important because this miracle did not happen long after Jesus ascended to heaven. So if he's been there 40 years, and every single day he's been dropped at the temple gate, ladies and gentlemen, it is highly plausible and almost inevitable that Jesus himself probably passed this dude while he was at the temple gate begging. He probably passed this dude begging, and yet Jesus never healed him. Which makes me go, how come? How come you didn't heal him, Jesus? When it's highly probable, probably inevitable, that you passed him too. Why didn't you heal this lame man? And the answer to that question is, oh no. I don't know, it speaks, hear me, to the fact that healing is a sovereign work of God. It is a sovereign work, and I can't explain why he didn't choose to heal this man, but the man who was by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, he chose to heal him. I don't know why God healed that man and didn't heal this man. I don't know. I don't know why today there's some people that get their healing here on earth, and there's some people that they don't get their healing until God takes them home to glory. I don't know. It is his sovereign work. I do know it is my responsibility to believe that God is a healer and to know that it is his will to heal. I do know it is my responsibility to lay hands on the sick and to pray for them to be healed. That is on me, but I don't know why. Jesus didn't heal this man. And I say that for somebody who maybe is wrestling with the question that we won't get the answer to until we get to heaven as to why some people are healed here and why some people don't get healed until God takes them home in glory. But another thought that I had is maybe the reason this man didn't get his healing is because Jesus passed him and said, who? That right there? That's a job for Peter and John. Peter and John gonna come later and I let them take care of that because they don't even know I'm bound to die on the cross, get up from the grave, fill them with power and I'm expecting them to notice him. So yeah, let me actually give you some money. I know you expected him. Let's go. They gonna get you later. Maybe that's why. So all of a sudden, Peter and John roll up on this dude and they perceive, they perceive, wait a minute, I'm supposed to do something about this. Peter and John. Woo. Peter and John. Don't forget, this is the first miracle of the New Testament church. And I love this miracle because it is a collaborative miracle between two people who are polar opposites. Peter and John, come on, one of these things is not like the other. They are completely opposite. If I had time, I would give you a long list, but let's just start with one. Peter is a cusser. John's a cuddler. Come on. Peter cussed a dude, a junior high girl, straight out. Just cussed her out. Said, I didn't know that man cussed her out. John is the dude that's always got his head on the chest of Jesus. And he's a disciple whom Jesus loved. They are complete opposites. Peter will just speak before he thinks. He'll just, you know those people just say something. Be like, my bad, should have said that. Not John. John is pensive. 
He's careful with his words. They are complete opposites, and yet God is collaboratively using them to do a miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a picture of the church. Hear me today. Shallow people only look at the differences between us and look at those differences for points of division. Oh, but deeper people understand that you might not think like I think. You might not even vote like I vote, but how many of you know we can agree to disagree on some things, but let's connect on the fact that people need to be healed, that people need to be restored. Let's connect on the fact that the name of Jesus should be exalted and should be preached with power. Oh, you know you are shallow if you are only looking at the differences of other people for a point of division. But you know you got some depth when you can say, you know what, I disagree with you on that, but that don't mean we can't go to social together and worship. Deep people know how to collaborate even on places of contradiction. So I'm not shocked that this first miracle is between Peter and John together. Oh, you need a Peter. You need a Peter that'll say the thing that nobody else will say. Yeah, you know those people. You sit next to a Peter right now. You need them sometimes. That when everybody else just kind of, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You need somebody to just say it. You're rude. You're mean. Ain't nobody hating on you. You just mean. Sometimes you need people to say the thing that nobody else will say. And you need John, too, to be like, well, but you know, God's not through with you yet. Come on. <laughs> you need both. And so maybe, maybe it was the compassion of John that noticed this dude, but it took the courage of Peter and said, you ain't getting no money from me today. You need something more than money. You need Peter and John. And they noticed this lame man begging, oh, if I had time. Because... I could talk about him being lame from birth. Whew. The trauma in our life that just happened. I'm not talking about the bad mistakes. I'm talking about the things that just happened to us. The father that wasn't there. The mother that never gave any validation to anything. The siblings that treated you wrong the abuse. All of us in here, we could pass the mic around and talk about the things from birth that we did not pick. That alone will make you get a good counseling bill. So I could talk about his lameness. I could even talk about his behavior of begging because the behavior of begging is a byproduct of being lame. When you don't have mobility in your legs, what job options do you have? All he is forced to do in his behavior is to beg. So we could talk about the behaviors in our life that are the byproducts of the trauma in our life. But in between the trauma and the behavior, there's something deeper. There's the mentality. There is the psychology of helplessness of hopelessness in between the trauma of his legs and the behavior of begging is the psychology of hopelessness hear me today if the enemy is after anything he is after your hope he wants you to reach a place in life where you wake up and say this will not get better this will not change hear me the day you lose your hope you may as well lose your legs in fact I'd rather have a person who is lame but has hope 
than a person that has full mobility of their legs but has lost their hope. I'm telling you, there are people from the disabled community that will tell you they're full-on people who are lame, who are playing basketball. They got Olympics. They got all kinds of things. They say, uh-uh, this isn't going to stop me from enjoying life. But if you have lost your hope, you've lost everything. And in between his behavior of begging and his trauma of his legs is a psychology of hopelessness. And I'm wondering today, have you done the deep work to ask yourself, what is the mindset that is behind this behavior? I know you spend a whole lot, lot of time talking about your trauma. I mean, that, that's actually, whew, that's a word that I wish could actually be restored in our culture today because there's some people who are doing real, real trauma, real trauma. And there's other people who's like, ah, nobody smiled at me when I walked in that church. And they call them that trauma. <laughs> so let's kind of just not throw that word away. But there are some of us who are dealing with real, real trauma. And I would in no way, shape, or form belittle that. But we spend a lot of time talking about the trauma. And we spend a lot of time, especially in the church, talking about the behavior. You need to stop it. You know what you heard? That's what I heard in youth group all the time. Stop it. Don't do the behavior. But when is somebody going to go, let's address the psychology and the mentality that is behind the behavior? And the psychology of this man, hear me, is hopelessness. He's hopeless. Here's how you know you've lost your hope. You know you've lost your hope when you stop looking up. You missed it in the text. The Bible says that when Peter and John came to him, he asked them for money. He asked them for money. That's the behavior he's begging. But the Bible also says that the first thing Peter and John say to this man is not get up and walk. The first thing they say is, look at us. So if he asked them for money, but the first thing they said was, look at us, that means this man is begging. Looking down. Alms for the broken, please. Anybody help? When you have been stuck in a position for so long, when it happened from birth, Maybe there was a season you were looking up because you're saying, I can still do something. Something can still happen. But after a while, over years, your physicality will show us your psychology. Because he doesn't even look up anymore to see who's putting the money in the cup. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He just listens to the change hit the bottom of the cup. Never looking up. Because what does he have to look up to? Until one day. Peter and John. Stop to actually look at him. This is showing us the power of a look. No wonder they said look at us. Was the first miracle was after years of having your head down do you actually even have the faith to look up again how many of you know you will always move in the direction of where you're looking so before I even deal with your legs let me start with your focus and just get you to lift up your head again I don't know who I'm 
preaching to today, but God made sure that I preached this 8 a.m. service to tell you, you better look up. Your situation may be down, but God says start looking up again. Start believing again. Start hoping again. Start trusting again. Look up. He looked up. He looked up. Hear me, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I'm telling you, whatever you are looking at and whatever you are looking for, you will find. Whatever you are looking for, you will find. What are you looking for? Hear me, if you are looking to find something wrong with your spouse, if you're looking for a way out and a divorce, hear me, you're going to find a way out. I'm so sick of them not putting the toilet tissue back. You'll find a way. If you're looking for it, you'll find it. What are you looking for? No wonder this man never got up. He never looked up. His head was down. No wonder Peter and John did the miracle because they were looking for one. They were looking for somebody to get this power that they got in the upper room. That's why when everybody else was walking by, they said, no, we can't walk by. We had an encounter with God. I'm looking for some. It's all about where you look. So look at the collision. What's happening? A man who was looking down and two disciples who were looking for a miracle. Look at us. He looked up, watch this, expecting to get something from them. Question, what do you think he was expecting? Money. Just like, if I just had some money, really? Is that what you need? (laughs) Or do you need a budget? We don't even know what our need is. If I just had some money, really? Or do you need to be healed so you're not so insecure so you're spending money on things that you don't need and you can't afford trying to validate yourself to other people? What do, you, do you know your need? <laughs> Expecting to get something. Can you see him? Oh, maybe somebody sees me. I'm finally, I'm finally going to get some money. And right with his expectation, dare I say, his low expectation of money because he didn't have the hope to believe for mobility they look at him and say silver and gold I do not have imagine the disappointment of this man what you stop for having me look up to let you know right now I ain't got it silver and gold I do not have imagine how disappointed this man was to hear those words not even knowing that his disappointment was being preceded by the greatest miracle sometimes your greatest miracle is preceded by your greatest disappointment who am I preaching to today sometimes it's after the bankruptcy that you actually get the idea for the business sometimes it's after you get fired that God actually gives you the place where you're going to be the manager and not an employee sometimes it's after the person that breaks your heart that you actually get the one that you said God created you for me don't give up just because you got disappointed sometimes it's after your greatest disappointment that God does the miracle can I testify I'm thinking about it because we in this room oh I gotta hurry Travis gotta preach these next two services 
we were in this room a prayer night January 2021 and somebody had said that they were going to sell the YMCA and if you were here you know I was so excited probably should have waited a little bit I said oh the YMCA about to be for sale y'all we might have a YMCA I said the prayer and I got so excited about it. I went and got a YMCA membership started praying around the YMCA like a week later they're actually not selling it I was like oh disappointment but the YMCA produced something the YMCA is what made us and the board go well why are we waiting to put a drop down link on the page for building we can go ahead and put it now and because we got a generous church and people started sowing even when we thought it was going to be the YMCA how many know it's part of those resources that helped us put the down payment down on what's about to be the Social Dallas headquarters so what I thought was a disappointment was actually a setup of God saying, I'm showing you, just keep walking by faith. It wasn't wasted when you were praying. Every moment you pray, you're going deeper. Every time you trust me, you're going deeper. Know that I am orchestrating things and doing things that are even beyond your cognitive capacity. You're going to quit after the disappointment? You're going to quit just because they told you no? What if your greatest miracle is on the other side of your greatest disappointment. Silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. What I have, you can only give what you have. Here's what I got. I ain't got the money, but let me tell you what I do got. I got a name. I love this passage. This is the first time in Bible I see where somebody name drops. You know we live in a culture where people love to name drop. I know so and so. I know them. But can I tell you, if you're going to drop a name, drop a name that can get somebody back up again. Drop a name that's got the power to heal the sick. I feel like preaching. Drop a name that can raise the dead. Drop a name that at the mention of it, demons begin to tremble. Drop a name that is provider. Drop a name that is restorer. Drop a name that's a mender of broken hearts. Drop a name that the of that name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord I need somebody to know the power of that name to get up on your feet and give Jesus the best praise that you got there is power in that name I gotta hurry it's not just power in the name stay standing is power in your connection to that name. Come on, let's go deeper. This was last year. I would have just let you shout at the name. <laughs> and some of y'all would have walked here and said, oh yes, I speak the name of Jesus. But the name only has power to the degree that you're connected to it. Peter and John were not shallow followers. They were disciples. For three years, they walked with him. For three years, they left family and walked away from things. They were connected to the name. So they knew its power. So away with this notion of just saying the name of Jesus. And you pray once every four months. It's got to be connected. My oven is powerful. So I hear can cook all kinds of things, but it is only as powerful as it is plugged in. So this is your year to go deeper, be connected to the name, and not just say it, 
be connected to it. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth. I told you you got to go deeper. I didn't see this the first time, Pastor Matt. Why in the world did they say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? That's a specific city. Why not say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Bethlehem? That's where he was born. Why not say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Capernaum? That's where he did a lot of his ministry. Why in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth get up and walk? Maybe it has something to do with the fact that the word Nazareth comes from the Greek word Nasser, which actually means who? Branch or sprout. Sprout. Not sprouts. That's groceries. Sprout. Now, sprout. The imagery is of a stump that has been cut down that was a massive tree. And it was cut all the way down, maybe to the point that people wept, saying, man, what a great tree that was. It's been cut all the way down to its stump. There is no hope again. Nothing can come out of this stump because somebody cut it all the way down. The imagery is of a tree that has been cut down to the stump. But all of a sudden, if you go back to that tree that you thought was done, if you go back to that tree that you thought the chapter was closed, if you go back to that tree that you thought it was over, put that picture up. All of a sudden, you see just a little bitty sprout coming back up. Maybe he was trying to let this man know, yes, you've been down for 40 years, but there is still a sprout. There is still hope. Just like they thought Jesus was down and out when they hung him high and they stretched him wide. But three days later, oh, he got up from the Don't you let anybody tell you it's over. It ain't over until God says it's over. Y'all stop. Deeper on demand. This is the year where God is going to have some Peter and Johns demand you go deeper. Surface would be to give you money deeper says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk and they didn't even stop there they even reached down and grabbed him just to help him I'm sorry I got to bring it back to what God is doing in our church this is going to be the power of this headquarters we will have our own space that we don't have to rent that we don't have to call to see if it's available and we can be a church that provides classes and discipleship courses that say yes God spoke a word in your life but let us give you a hand and help you up so your strength can come back to your legs and you can leap again and jump again and run again but hear me, it will not be comfortable. It's deeper on demand. Demands you lose your comfort. But you got to be more committed to being discipled and going deeper than you are your comfort.
we would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world. Thank you.